0: It's the season of giving, so give yourself a little extra Christmas cheer. Go on, you deserve it. Don't just buy a copy of my new book for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Buy one for yourself as well. Christmas Past, The Fascinating Stories Behind Our Favorite Holidays Traditions is available on hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. Find it wherever books are sold.
1: know i sent you those pictures of that um box i discovered
0: i'm talking to peter kimpton from his home in england a few days before we spoke he had sent me some photos and promised to tell me an interesting story about them peter is an historian and a collector of christmas crackers those festive little party favors that make a bang when you open them and the story he's telling has to do with an antique box of crackers he had recently found at auction
1: i found there was um a An association between that and a relative who I never knew existed who was killed in the First World War.
0: So that box he'd recently acquired was produced in 1917. It was more than a century old, but still in great condition and with most of its original contents intact. And he only paid about eight pounds for it.
1: It was a nice box and I was happy to have it, but I didn't think that much more about it.
0: But then something interesting happened. Peter was doing a bit of research into his family's ancestry.
1: And I discovered this chap called Norman Herbert Kimpton. And I discovered that he was an uncle of mine. Never knew he existed. And at the age of 20, on July the 14th, 1917, he was killed.
0: July the 14th, 1917 was Bastille Day in France. But more importantly, to our story anyway, it's the same year that those antique crackers he just bought were produced. Well, as an historian and collector of Christmas crackers, and as an amateur genealogist, Peter Kimpton couldn't just leave things there. Part of his collecting also includes old trade catalogues. So he went to one from 1917.
1: And there, much to my amazement, was a picture of this box which I have. So that proved that the box which I have was actually being manufactured on the exact day that my Uncle Norman was killed.
0: It's a story of several chance discoveries coming together in an unexpected way. Peter discovering the box of antique crackers, discovering his long-lost relative, cross-referencing crucial dates associated with each. Of course, it's all a coincidence, but coincidences can surely be fun, and in cases like this, they can become part of family lore. And to think, all of that would never have been discovered at all had it not been for the fact that Peter collects antique Christmas crackers. And why would Peter, or anyone else, do that? Because for over 150 years, Christmas crackers have been a traditional part of Christmas festivities in the UK. But how did that happen? Well, that is the story of one man. A man who created something novel and festive, who built up a massive business around it, and whose name is forever linked to the Christmas season. It's the story of Tom Smith, the King of Crackers. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Peter Kimpton is more than just an historian and collector of Christmas crackers, though that would be distinction enough. But Peter is actually the only historian of Christmas crackers, and he's the author of several books on the topic, including Tom Smith's Christmas Crackers in Illustrated History. But in addition to that,
1: towards the end of my career, I used to be marketing services manager for the Tom Smith Cracker Company when it was based in Norwich.
0: As I said, the Christmas cracker has been a standard part of Christmas for over 150 years in the UK. They're popular here in America too, but nowhere near to the same extent. So, for anyone who's unfamiliar with them,
1: basically, a Christmas cracker is a tube, a paper and cardboard tube created in such a way that there's a handle at each end. And within the body of that cracker, there is an exploding mechanism.
0: Well, exploding might be a bit dramatic. It's more like a snapping mechanism, though it is often made with actual gunpowder. When you pull the ends apart, the cracker emits a snap and the cracker is broken open to reveal the contents of the tube. If you squint, crackers ever so slightly resemble a piece of candy wrapped in a twist of paper. And that is not an accident because Christmas crackers are the invention of a London confectioner named Tom Smith.
1: Tom Smith first got the idea when he went on a visit to probably what was a trade fair in Paris in the early 1840s. And he saw that the French confectioners were producing sugared almonds wrapped in a way which looked a bit like a cracker. He cottoned on to that idea, and he brought the idea back, and he started to make replicas of what he'd seen in Paris, which the French bonbonniers had produced. And they did very, very well over the Christmas period when he first brought them out.
0: That early offering from Tom Smith was simply a suite with an interesting wrapping. It would evolve over time into its current form. And that evolution began almost immediately. Because even though they sold well during the Christmas season, sales dropped off immediately after that.
1: I suppose really it's a case of business development. As the sugar almonds didn't do so well after the initial good-selling period, Tom Smith was always sort of thinking of ideas, as it were, to improve the product. He obviously was a creative chap, and he developed the, the French bonbons into the crackers which have become what we know today.
0: Soon the cracker had nothing to do with sweets at all. The sugared almonds were removed altogether and the overall form factor changed into that of a cardboard tube containing items. They became more like a party favor. At first they would include small trinkets.
1: You would perhaps get little wood models, you'd perhaps get little glass items from Bohemia, you'd get Little trinkets from Norway, you, they got, used to get some stuff from America. Japan especially, Japan stuff was very popular. These all just little inexpensive knickknacks.
0: And they would also include festive mottos printed on slips of paper.
1: I can give you an example here of some of the love mottos that would be found in Victorian crackers. I mean, some of them are awful, but there's one here from 1875. It's terribly mushy, but it says... Oh, flowers, sweet flowers, the fairest gems that earth upon her bounteous bosom loves to cherish, bright yet pure as childhood's thoughtless mirth, although like morning dreams they quickly perish.
0: And later they would also include a crown made of colored tissue paper.
1: That apparently was brought in in the late. 1800s towards sort of 1900, by Tom Smith's son, Walter, who seemed, according to the records, to have been sort of more the leading light of the company.
0: And to this day, that is the standard set of items included in all Christmas crackers. A trinket, a motto, or more commonly these days, a joke, and a paper crown. There was just one more piece that Tom Smith needed to complete the evolution.
1: Story goes that he was sitting in front of the fire one day and had some logs on it. And as you know, logs sometimes pop. And um, he supposedly thought, ah, oh, if I could put that pop into my crackers, that would give them a plus. I don't know if that story is true, but it seems to be a traditional story about Tom Smith.
0: Well, whatever the real story is, the end result is the same. Tom Smith would come up with a way to include a simple mechanism in the item, such that when the ends are pulled apart, it creates the namesake cracking sound. Although, at the time, they weren't called crackers.
1: In the early days, crackers tended to be called Cossacks. You had the French-Prussian War, and there were Cossacks who fought for the Russians. And they used to ride through Paris, cracking their whips. And somebody, somewhere, decided that the cracking of the whips sounded like the cracking of the crackers that Tom Smith had developed. So they were called Cossacks initially, but then it was gradually changed and they just became Christmas crackers.
0: But whatever they were called, they were a huge hit and quickly worked themselves into Victorian Christmas culture.
1: Crackers in mid to late Victorian times played an interesting part in family get-togethers. They became sort of, as it were, the center of attention.
0: And because of that popularity, Tom Smith's company had become a massive operation. And to keep the product fresh and enticing to Christmas shoppers, the company sold their product in beautifully designed boxes printed in color and they would come up with a staggering number of different packaging designs with each new season.
1: In the late Victorian times and early the next century, Tom Smith's company would be producing 150, 200 different box designs every Christmas. From my point of view, with a sort of a graphic design background, I absolutely marvel at all the fantastic designs that Tom Smith's were churning out in those days.
0: Tom Smith died in 1869. His family continued with the business and later sold it in the 1930s. That business changed hands a few times, but today there's nothing of the original operation that still exists. Yes, you can still buy Tom Smith brand crackers, but there is no Tom Smith company anymore. Just a parent company that licenses the Tom Smith brand's name. And today there are many, many other cracker producers, including some very high-end ones that most people couldn't afford.
1: But the great majority of the public, they don't want that sort of luxury in a cracker. They just want something they can pull at the Christmas table, and it has a little bit of fun in it. It has a paper hat, and it goes bang.
0: Christmas novelties come and go. Modern Christmas history is littered with items that were popular for a few years and then disappeared. The Christmas cracker could easily have ended up among them. When you get right down to it, it's almost literally a throwaway product. And yet, season after season, we return to the delights of small surprises, a festive bang, and the shared experience of cracking them open among family and friends. Well, I wonder if Christmas crackers will ever really have their day here in America. Like certain other British Christmas traditions, they haven't really caught on here. Another example would be figgy pudding. It's not that you never see a figgy pudding in America, it's just that you somewhat rarely do. Which means that when you do see one, you can count yourself as lucky, just like Molly in Idaho. I was thinking the other day about one of my Christmas memories, and that was when we went down to California to visit my aunt, and we went caroling around her neighborhood. One of the neighbors actually brought a fig pudding out when we were singing the song about, now bring us some figgy pudding. I just think to this day that that is A wonderful surprise for any carolers that come along. Christmas Past did a figgy pudding episode last season, which you might want to check out. And this year, for the third year running, I'll be making and steaming my own from scratch in the traditional way, including dousing it in brandy and setting it alight. And that's my favorite part, just between us. By the time this episode arrives, we'll be at just about the midpoint for this year's Christmas season but there's still plenty of time to send a Christmas memory to appear in one of our remaining episodes. Just record yourself talking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Just keep it reasonably short, clean, and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks so much to Peter Kimpton and Molly in Idaho, and as always, thank you for listening. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please do join the Private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover the show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. And until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.